But before we get to any of that, let's talk to our correspondent in Boston, in the United States. Celeste Katz is with us. Celeste, a very good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Look, Celeste, let's start local. And this is something I honestly never thought I'd ever hear. A few moments ago, I called Senator Markey to congratulate him and to pledge my support to him and his campaign in the months ahead. The senator is a good man. You have never heard me say otherwise. It was difficult at times between us. Good elections often get heated. But I'm grateful for the debates, for his commitment to our Commonwealth, and for the energy and enthusiasm that he brought to this race. Okay, that is Joe Kennedy the third doing what no other Kennedy has ever done in Massachusetts, Celeste, and that is lose an election. Yep, a, a big day in political history in the United States, Kennedy losing an election in their home state of Massachusetts, not something that not something we've ever seen. So JFK first ran, ran for the House in 1946. He won it. He won the Senate. Uh, Ted Kennedy, of course, was a senator as well. Joe Kennedy II uh, was in the House of Representatives. Joe Kennedy III was in the House of Reps, tried to move to the Senate, but was beaten by this bloke called Ed Markey, who, this is incredible, that he he's an old bloke who's been in, in, federal, in federal politics since the 70s, yet he got the young vote, whereas Joe Kennedy III is a young bloke, and a lot of people thought going places in the party, how did Ed Markey, this old bloke, manage to get the, the young people's votes? It really hinged, I think, on the fact that Markey was uh, a major author of what's called the Green New Deal, which is uh, an environmental program to address climate change and all the problems associated with climate change. And one of his big supporters is a Uh, a sort of meteoric rising star in the party, a woman named Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she came out in support of Ed Markey, and she has some real pull with younger voters. And they were very motivated to support Markey, even though, as you say, he's been much older. I think he's been in politics for uh, 50 years, something like that. Uh, But he did manage to pull it off. And, you know, there were other considerations. Uh, Markey and Kennedy, when you came down to it, in a democratic primary didn't have radically different ideas so it really came down to who turned out and markey was able to get that support so uh, some people are saying well kennedy ran too soon that he should have waited till say elizabeth warren the other democrat senator uh, from massachusetts retired and he might have just gone into that seat rather than taking on the incumbent senator you know or maybe people are saying, yeah, he should have waited, he's in the House, wait and run for governor or something. What's your thoughts on that? It's interesting, and uh, especially uh, uh, contentious for him, I'm sure, in his thinking, because uh, in this particular case, he could not run for the Senate and keep his House seat. So now he is going to be out of politics. I'm sure he'll find something else to do. The Kennedys, uh, you know, are people who have options. I think people have heard of them. They are uh, a known quantity in uh, American life and American politics. But, 
you know, in terms of his decision to do this, you know, some people said, okay, maybe it's a trial balloon. Let me see uh, how this plays. Maybe there's a vulnerability there. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was a big factor in Markey's win, herself got into the House of Representatives in the 2018 midterms by running against a very entrenched Democratic incumbent and somebody who was not only a longtime member of the House, but somebody who was um, part of the formal leadership structure of the Democratic Party. So there has been a sentiment in the past couple of years that people really don't feel like they have to, quote unquote, wait their turn. And I think maybe Kennedy was trying to, was feeling some of that. But mm. in the end, it just was not enough to overcome overcome Markey and his support. Yeah, another six years of Ed Markey, though. Uh, you know, I, I thought Kennedy, he obviously is a ma young man in a hurry. He wanted to be on the national stage in a better way than just in the House, than in the Senate. But what is he going to do? There's a lot of Kennedys out there, and you know, not all of them run for politics. Most of them run some sort of non-profit organisation. They're an incredible family, and they're not in it for the money, it's fair to say. Uh, what's he going to do? Has, anyone, has he indicated what he might do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little early to officially know what he's going to do, but certainly, as you say, the Kennedys have a big name in uh, public policy, nonprofits, philanthropy, that sort of thing. So he certainly does have options. And if Joe Biden wins, who knows? I mean, it's a little yeah. it's a little politically delicate, but there might be some place for him in a Democratic administration. Yes, vice president, I say. Uh, you know, my, I mean, <laughs> seriously, I think it, I, and this is going to sound strange and self-serving perhaps. I have met Joe Kennedy the third because he was there. He was the, his local electorate, we would call it in Australia. Um, his district in the US is where the Kennedy household was, was where J Jack Kennedy grew up. And uh, they had the 100th birthday there. And uh, I managed to have a quick chat with him. He's a lovely bloke. I hope that maybe uh, he does get the chance to be vice president. He'd be a perfect vice president. I think he's great. He's, he's, you know, he's got a lot of good ideas. He speaks well. He's a good-looking guy. He's exactly the sort of person that they would love to put on a ticket. And I think if Biden wins, he is serving one term and one term only. That's just my feeling. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, I, I think that, well, first of all, in regards to, uh, in regards to uh, the Kennedys, I, I do not think we have seen the last of Joe Kennedy III. I no. think that he will remain in public life and remain on the public stage. I think Joe Biden does have, um, uh, does have Kamala Harris on the ticket right now, whether he serves one term. He's talked about himself as a, trans, a transitional yes, exactly. figure very much in politics. So I think he's sort of aware of, of his age and, and being a bridge to the next generation, whether that includes Joe Kennedy. You can see, I mean, it would provide some balance, like a Harris-Kennedy ticket. Yeah, it would absolutely. Be intercoastal, male-female, you know, sort of uh, more towards the center in age. But... I'm not, I've covered politics long enough not to rule anything out. Exactly right. Now, something you shouldn't rule out is voting twice. President Trump has made a big deal over the last four years about um, how the voting system is rigged, uh, how uh, a lot of people cast illegal vo uh, votes, all sorts of things. But now he's actually come out and said for the people in North Carolina, they should test this mail mail in that's m-a-i-l voting system by uh, voting by post and also turning up and trying to vote in person you know he he loves trolling people we don't know whether he's serious or not with this what's your thoughts on that 
I think voting twice is a crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's a, a felony to uh, to vote more than once. Uh, the United States, obviously, in the grips of this pandemic, has moved uh, much more strongly towards uh, making voting by mail uh, available to people. Um, in some cases, easing uh, how that's done, whether it's sending out people ballots, even if they have not requested them. Uh, extending the the times and locations where people can drop off ballots and so on. Uh, but there's never, ever any case where it's okay to vote twice. You can't be uh, voting, say, uh, once by mail and once in person. You can't be voting in the same election in two different states. It's just, it's just against the law. Now, as you say, with Trump, I, I mean, I guess he's sort of trying to make a point to shore up his his totally unfounded, I might add, totally unfounded idea that there's massive voter fraud in the United States. But you know what? It's really not something you should joke about. I will I will come out and say that, that um, the president of the United States encouraging people to to engage in what is actually a felony crime is not a good idea. And secondly, you just in a time of, of uncertainty and very heated political rhetoric, you really don't need anybody else muddy, muddying the waters more more than they are right now. I just don't think, you know, if it's a joke, it wasn't funny. Mm. Just to return a moment ago, uh, you've been living in Boston a little while. Have you had a Kennedy encounter or a Kennedy experience? Well, it's interesting. I have not. I did do a piece when Joe Kennedy, a piece for radio for WBAI New York, uh, about Kennedy doing this. And what ended up happening with the piece was that I spoke to people in the Democratic Party here in Massachusetts who said he they really wished he wouldn't run. I said, look, we really need to be focusing on getting Donald Trump out of office. What we don't need to be doing is spending a lot of time and money and resources on fighting each other inside the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Massachusetts is a very Democratic state, even though we do have a Republican governor. Um, And a lot of people that I spoke to were just not excited that he had chosen to do that. Interestingly enough, I used to live in Rhode Island. I went to school there, and then I was a reporter for the Providence Journal, which is the big paper, and I covered Patrick Kennedy, who is yet another member of the family uh, who was a member of the House of Representatives there. But, yeah, and I covered Ted Kennedy's funeral in Boston. Speaking of Ted Kennedy, Jules is with us. Good morning, Jules. Hello. You've met Ted Kennedy in Boston. Yes. What happened? Um, and the... It was the most bizarre experience, as in I had met this Lithuanian couple in Mexico in Cancun before it exploded, and they said, you must come back to Boston and stay with us. And they were very artistic. Um, The the wife worked for the Boston Globe, and he was, oh, he's actually got artwork in uh, all over America. Yeah. And they said, oh, you know, come along to this um, gallery opening. And they said, oh, you know, introduce yourself to this bloke because we need funding from him. <laughs> and I'm like, who is he? And they said, Ted Kennedy. And I said, who's Ted Kennedy? Oh, come on, Jules. So, and for 10 minutes he's going, oh, he asked me everything about Australia, oh, wow. this and that. And they said, did you promote us? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> did they get any money out of it, Jules? Oh, look, he's now in Arizona um, okay. and hopefully safe and well. Mm. But it was just um, one of those things that you just go, I was just a backpacker, you know, living on a, yeah. the bread line, <laughs> literally. 
What year was this, do you reckon, Jules? Um, 1987. 87, there you go. He was very well known at that point, Jules. Hey, I know, but you know yeah, what? Yeah. Hey, I um, I actually ended up in um, Austria in Graz with um, the original founder of Red Bull. So I, I've obviously had a really... A fascinating <laughs> life. Thank you, Jules. I wish we could uh, talk about it more, but thank you very much for that. I actually met Joe Kennedy II uh at Ted, uh, no, what's his name? Tip O'Neill was lying in state at the Boston State House, and there was Joe talking to the cameras outside. Um, okay, uh, sorry about that, but I thought we'd need to, to talk to Jules. Celeste Katz is in Boston. Uh, okay, so the president also said there's going to be a vaccine by before the end of the year, and maybe a long time before the end of the year. And in fact, he's obviously now talking about it being there. Uh, in the first week of November, which coincides with the election, what's happening here? Yeah, the federal government has uh, encouraged uh, the the various state governments to uh, get ready to distribute a vaccine for coronavirus. By uh, They're asking people to be ready by November 1st, and the election is November 3rd. Uh, most of the science, most of the experts, Dr. Fauci, people that we've come to rely on for information have not said a vaccine will be ready that early. And now what you're actually seeing a lot of is people saying that uh, if a vaccine does come out, they don't want it. Um, there's uh, some new polling actually that uh, just came out, uh, I believe this week, uh, that said that a third of people said they wouldn't take it that they, uh, some people are just against vaccines generally, and some people say that they would want to wait a little longer to see what the side effects are. But yeah. I think a lot of people are sort of astonished that you know, everyone knows that we are working on this and the entire world is working on this, but that seems kind of soon. And the whole world's working on it, but the US is not going to help the whole world. They want to work on their own vaccine, get their vaccine and give it out to the, you know, the people of the US. I, I don't, I mean, I know there's a lot of discussion about anti-vaxxers and all that, but I don't blame people for not wanting to take the vaccine in November because, as you say, it, it, there's no way that they would have done enough clinical trials in only the next two months, surely. It seems very quick, and I think some people are worried that um, you can only move at that speed by bringing down some regulatory hurdles. In some cases, less regulation is good. But if you're talking about somebody shooting something into your arm, maybe some regulation yeah. and some, some extra study is okay. Look, people are dying. The United States has had uh, you know, tens of thousands of people die and continue to die. We're expecting possible resurgence of the virus this fall and this winter, especially combined with the flu. So nobody wants that to happen. People want a vaccine. They want an end to this pandemic. But at the same time, you know, people are looking at the timeline and they can't help but wonder how nice it would be for President Trump if the federal government, his administration, rolled out a brand new vaccine against this scourge two days before people go to the polls. Exactly right. We will see. And of course, if it doesn't get uh, if it doesn't get uh, ready or available um, on that date, I'm sure it'll be because the deep state tried to stop it. Finally, then uh, Donald Trump, his health, as you know, every candidate's health comes under comes under scrutiny. But even more so with uh, the president, because he did make this unscheduled visit to the army hospital, the Walter, Walter Reed Army Hospital, and it's never been exactly revealed why he was there. Some people are speculating it's because he had a stroke or a mini stroke. He's denied that. But 
what do we know about why he was there? And this is uh, uh, last November, so more nearly a year ago. Yeah, so there's some discussion of that very mysterious visit to Walter Reed Medical Center uh, last year. And there's a new book out, a uh, new book that's coming out uh, that says that uh, Mike Pence was put on standby to assume the powers of the presidency. Uh, The trip was unscheduled. Usually a doctor's visit is announced as a VIP visit to Walter Reed and so on. Um, Also reporters and the American public get the results of physical examinations. But Trump has been sort of uh, sort of resistant to providing a lot of information about his health. His initial reports were from his his doctor and his personal doctor in New York that didn't provide any details about his about his blood pressure or you know underlying uh, conditions or anything like that. He later did have examinations by the White House physician. Uh, that said he was okay. All these things have said he's in perfect health. And, uh, you know, I'm not his doctor either, so I can't say, but no. people uh, have certainly been, certainly been, uh, their curiosity has certainly been piqued by the fact that he has been uh, rather stingy with information about how he's doing. Hmm. How old is he? 73, 74 or so? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Okay, so there's no way in the wide world that an overweight 74-year-old or 73-year-old is in perfect health. I mean, that's just not what happens in life. So, I mean, he may be in good health for his age. I wouldn't dispute that, although who knows. You know, but so much of what the president does is projection. He is trying to make people think not about his own health, but about Joe Biden's health. Well, he's certainly he's certainly raised some questions about Joe Biden. Basically, he's implied, if not come right out and said that he has uh, early has uh, some sort of dementia or senility that he doesn't know where he is or what he's talking about. He doesn't understand questions uh, at the same time. And of course, his you know his supporters uh, have a habit of. Uh, uh, pointing to altered videos of people like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi that are slowed down to make them appear like they're slurring or they're confused, they're not sort of on the ball. But there are videos like that that uh, people have questioned about Trump as well. So, um, yeah, the you know, problem the, with the those videos, there, you know, they're all over the internet, but Trump retweets them. That's the problem, you know, is he is giving them some kind of official imprimatur by retweeting them when there's absolutely no basis uh, to them in any fact at all. All righty. Um, Celeste, thank you very much. Uh, two weeks from now will be two weeks closer to this election. That is true. Always <laughs> a pleasure. Glad to be here. Thank you very much, Celeste Katz in the United States.